excuse me. All right, we're, we're, we're headed to that time, that wonderful, merry, holly, jolly time of Christmas. And I really like interaction. Do you guys like interacting? No? Good to know? Good to know? I feel like there's a dichotomy from how quickly you answered and your answer. But I appreciate the attitude. Um, uh, I want to ask a question. I want you guys to like just call out an answer. So my question is, um, what is your favorite Christmas movie? It's a wonderful Never seen it. Die hard. Now we're talking true Christmas movies. Okay. Elf? I think I, I think I saw that one. I haven't seen Miracle on 34th Street. Any others? Christmas vacation. You know, I did this Christmas party with the youth once, and it was like a, a murder mystery. And we all had to come as characters of Christmas characters. Guess who did it? It was Sean McClain, right? Um, they couldn't use his actual name, you know, because like, but uh, I played the guy from Christmas Vacation. I've never seen it, but they said I did a good job. So uh, what else? Any other Christmas movies? Grinch. Grinch. I really like the first part. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. Any others? All right. Oh, I've been forced to see way too many scenes of that. Good for you. Good. Um, Wizard of Oz. Is that a Christmas movie? Also never seen it, but... No. Charlie Brown. I haven't seen that one either. <laughs> Keeping a roll going. This is good. Okay, let's talk about something I can get excited about. What's your favorite Christmas dish? Favorite Christmas food? Maybe a dessert. Maybe could just be eggnog, right? Like, I, my wife doesn't like eggnog. Growing up, we would, I, I don't know. Don't drink too much of it. Your farts don't smell good. But anyway, I love it. Um, what else? Favorite, favorite Christmas dishes? Mashed potatoes. Okay. Fudge. Chocolate fudge. No peanut butter fudge. Breakfast casserole. That's a new one for me. Nice. Yams. There we go. Anything else? Huh? Brisket. No one's going to say turkey, right? No. Brisket sounds like a new tradition that I'm pretty, pretty quick to jump on. That sounds delicious. Cookies? Oh, yeah. You guys, uh, you guys, families do like you decorate your own cookies and like the sugar cookies or whatever every year. Some families do that. I did that with the youth group. They, they kind of mangled some of them, but you know, whatever. They tasted good. What about uh, 
I did this once with my wife. Uh, the, how many people do um, prime rib on Christmas Eve? No? Ow? That's, I don't know how common that is, but like they go on sale. And I was, I was working uh, one day, and, and it, was the, it was either Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve Eve? But, um, you know, I was working, and my coworker was getting ready. He was going to go to uh, Albertsons after work, and Prime Rib was on sale. And it was like a really good sale. And I was like, I've never cooked Prime Rib. We're going to do this. So I went to the store, and I looked at Prime Rib, and the really, really good sale was if you bought only so much of it. Otherwise, it's the real price. And so no matter what, you're spending over like 50, 60 bucks on one piece of meat, and it's either going to be this big or it's going to be this big. <laughs> it's just like there's no, that doesn't make sense. But anyway, they got my money because I, I psyched myself up all day. I'm going to make prime rib. I've never made it before. And it was good. It was good. It's an expensive cut of meat to be, you know, practicing on. It's much easier to go somewhere else, and then they clean up after you, and you don't even have to do that. Yeah. Works out great. All right, so Christmas Christmas food is, is something I love. I'm a fat man. I can talk about food all the time. But, you know, there's, there's certain things in our lives that it's kind of, it, it's, you know, maybe we get passionate about it. Maybe we get excited to talk about it. And there's things like movies or holidays or food that really bring out for for. All of us, I think, different areas, different specific things that we're, we get passionate about. But it becomes quite easy to start talking about these things, right? Like, I don't know. I can't say I've gotten a lot of interaction out of you guys all the time. But, like, I got a fair amount this morning. I'm, we're moving forward. And maybe it's because we asked about something that we're passionate about, about movies, about Christmas, about food. And so... so the next question I have for you is kind of this maybe, you know, not as easy to answer, but, and, and again, I want the interaction. Like, let's, let's have some actual answers. What are some things in your life, some barriers or some obstacles, maybe some feelings, like maybe other people? What are some things in your life that keep you from talking about things? Fear of judgment? Self-doubt? Yep. Being an introvert? Same. Yeah. Uh, maybe like people pleasing? Yeah. What about like Policies at work that limit your speech? What about, you know, we've kind of hit on it, but that, you know, not wanting to offend someone? There's, there's things in our life, there's barriers to us being able to speak. 
And, and what I want us to kind of recognize from our passage today is that when there's something that we're passionate about, when there's something that we've experienced that brings out this like desire and this joy, this fulfillment in us, when it's something that we can be excited about that's coming up, when it's something that we're passionate about, we need to get past these barriers of things that keep us back from, from speaking. And today we're specifically looking at four different characters that had these barriers to them being able to speak. And, and, and the, the barriers that we're talking about, really we're going to be talking about the context of praise. All four of these characters are going to praise God. And what I want us to be considering is what barriers are keeping you from praising God. Sometimes they're going to be external, sometimes they're going to be cultural and societal, sometimes they're going to be internal, our own barriers to being able to praise God. And there's four characters that we're going to look at today that quickly we're just going to talk about, and then I want us to talk about some different aspects of praise that we can learn from these four characters. But the four characters that we're talking about have some crazy barriers to even be able to praise. And I think the first one that we got to talk about it's kind of funny, but like it's also one of the most exciting parts of the passage, right? And the first person that wants to praise God, but there's this barrier to keeping him from being able to praise God is, it's John. It's John. Let's look at it. So um, where are we at? Um, 41, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. There's a barrier for John to be able to speak. He's, he, he, he can't. Like, he doesn't know how. He, he's inside of a womb like he's in a cage. Like, like, he can't speak. And yet when he comes in the presence of God, he's got to praise. Man, John, John's got this barrier. He, he's, he's, he's not born yet. And yet he still wants to praise God. Second character we see who wants to praise God is Elizabeth, his mom. She feels this. And, and the passage tells us that she was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then she speaks out these words of praise. And yet, what's her barrier to being able to praise? Well, the, we talked about it a little bit last week, but I mean... She's a woman well advanced in age who's been begging God for a child for her entire life and is barren. And there's a certain amount of reproach. Listen, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to sit here and say her family, her community were, were uh, getting after her. But there's a certain amount of a reproach that you bear on yourself. There's, there's this self-talk that you have. When someone asks you a simple question, this happens. And, and sometimes we should be cognizant of it. And sometimes, you know, sometimes when we're having that self-talk, we need to extend some grace. But, but people can ask a simple question of, of someone who's been trying and begging to have a child. Well, when are you going to have kids? And there's this just burden I've been trying, and, and like it's, it, it can be explosive, and it can become a burden and a barrier to even communicate with other people who sometimes just simply want to talk to you. 
And there's this shame and reproach that's on someone's life who feels like maybe they've done something wrong and God isn't blessing them. Or maybe God is punishing them. And there's this shame and there's this reproach and I, I can't speak. I, I don't even know how to deal with this. Elizabeth, she had some personal inner demons. She had some, some self-talk. She had some cultural shame that really became a barrier for her. And yet, when, when John leaps in her womb and when the Holy Spirit fills her, she speaks. Third person is Mary. Mary, I think one of the most, one of the most amazing things, and, and I'll be honest, it's hard sometimes. Like, I grew up in church. I, I've read scripture. Like, there's sometimes when I'm reading a book that's trying to teach me how to love God or how to read scripture. When they quote the Bible, it's like super easy to just like, boop, and skip past it. Well, I've read it before, right? And so like, I get like, there's this familiarity with scripture. There's this, uh, what is she even saying? Let's get to the action. How, uh, you know, when you guys were first learning to read and, like, you guys found out books can be interesting, right? And you start reading those. Did you guys ever, like, skip where, like, okay, like, read Lord of the Rings. How many of you skipped pages of him just describing something and you're like, where's something going on, you know? Like, like that's the way it is sometimes in Scripture. But, like, Mary gets to praise God and it's recorded in scripture. She has a prayer, a song that she gives and it's recorded in scripture and we get to read what she said about God and that's recorded for all of eternity. And there's good and great meaning in what she says and it's beautiful and it's wonderful, but sometimes it's easy to skip it, right? Mary, Mary gets to praise God and she gets her praise recorded for all of eternity. And yet, this is an unwed, pregnant woman. And in our culture, as much as our culture has tried to break down the walls of, of judgment, in our culture, there's still some shame and reproach that happens when there's married, uh, uh, pregnancy outside of marriage. And listen, it doesn't matter how much you tell someone, well, God told me. One well, angel showed up to me and gave me a vision. And, and believe it or not, I know I'm pregnant, but I've never had sex. <laughs> how do you speak about that? How do, you, how do you go to your family gathering and you tell them, yeah. But God's been good to me. And this is this is from God, and it's of God. How do you speak about that? And there's a barrier to even being able to speak to people because they've already made judgments on you. There's one last character, and that's Zach, Zachariah. He can't speak because God said he can't speak. And that's his own fault, right? Like God gave him an answer to his prayer and he doubted God. God was like, I'm going to prove I can do it, but you get to experience it 
and you can't speak. You know what he does, though? Through the experience of God's judgment, he comes to a place where he praises God. We'll read that a little bit later. I didn't make Sarah read 41 verses, even though that's what we're trying to cover today. Four characters. Four, four very important barriers to being able to praise God. John, well, he's not even born yet. Mary, too young. Elizabeth, too old. Zach, too dumb. There's, there's barriers to us being able to praise God. And I want to ask you today, what, what, what is keeping you from praising God? What is keeping you from being able to speak about God and what he has done and what he is doing? The, these four characters, no matter their barriers, they overcame it and they decided to praise God anyway. They decided that through the trials, through the, the, the shame, through the, the self-talk and the judgment of others, that what they were going to speak was the praises of God. And, and I'm going to use this passage to explain what praise is. This passage, in, in three different places, it uses the words, first of all, um, I have these written down somewhere. Let me do it. Okay, so verse 46, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. First of all, to praise God is to magnify God, to make him bigger, to, to present him as bigger than your shame, to present him as bigger than your obstacle, to present him as bigger than your, your power, to present him as more. Is God more in your life than anything else? To praise God is to magnify him, to say that he is bigger and better, he is enough, no matter what obstacle we're facing. Listen to me, your praise will be more important and impactful when you have to prove that God is bigger than your obstacle. And let me be clear, I, I said that a certain way, you don't prove it, he proves it, and we recognize it. We magnify him. Also, verse number 47, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. To praise is to rejoice, to be thankful, to actually express gratitude. Praising God, it can be as simple as telling him thank you. To actually have a heart of gratitude towards God instead of a, a heart that's grumbling can't believe you waited until I wasn't married yet. And now I have to, they just, they called me. They, do you know what they called me over there? To feel like the outcast as Elizabeth, who has no children, is watching all of her friends and, and her age group with their children playing together. And she feels outside. God, why would you? No, to praise is to rejoice, to have a heart of gratitude. I'm trusting in God. And lastly, I know we haven't read this yet, but verse number 68, when Zach starts, uh, he, when he starts praising, 
In, in my translation, it says, blessed is the Lord God of Israel. The NIV translates this as praise be. <coughs> and that's just to, English language is hard, and we're translating from a different language, and it's, it's hard as we progress. You know, uh, if you looked up the definition of blessed and praise, like the word is extol. <laughs> so if you know what that means, I, I got a, a, a cough drop I'll give you or something. But, uh, you know, like the, this praise, this extol, it's just, just to, to like actually give credit to, to, to like a credit to, to ascribe to him what he has done. And we need to show what God has done. So when we praise, these four characters all praise God. And we're going to, in just a second, look at some different aspects of what this praise can look like. But as we're looking at this, I want us to think about how can we magnify, rejoice, and talk about our God. Some aspects of praise. So if you have your outline, your little handout, this is where it starts. Is first of all, there's a physical aspect a physical expression in response to God. And the really simple one, whoa! Right? Like, I mean, you're stuck in a womb, but man, God's here, yes! You know, there's physical expressions to worship. And, and I think it's beautiful and wonderful. And it is hard for me sometimes when I am up here and I am singing to look out at you guys. Because sometimes I see physical expressions of worship, of praising God, a physical expression to say, God, you are so good. Yes, you are the Savior of all kind. And sometimes some people express it by jumping around. And some people express it by a brokenness and a intimacy in a one of the hardest times to continue to sing about what God is doing is when I see on the faces and in the hearts of his people that they love him there's a physical expression of praising God how dare we go tell the gospel the good news that God loves you God loves you. He obviously doesn't love you. <laughs> like, what? God, God does. God loves his enemies. But, um, man, how, I don't have words. I have passion. Because God has done something. And I think John shows us when we come into contact with our God that there should be some physical expressions of it. That it should so interact and change our lives that sometimes it's, it's, it's kneeling down in worship and bowing down before our God because he's so good. And sometimes it's vibrant joy and jumping and screaming. And sometimes you guys have to put up with me when I'm up here and I'm pretty sure I don't need a microphone. <laughs> but you can't keep it back. And an aspect of praise is a physical aspect of praise. Next aspect I want to look at is a, it's a personal aspect. A personal aspect of praise. And that's 
you know, I think there's two parts of this and I have written down here that we need to recognize our need for God. We personally need to recognize our need for God. And I think Mary does a beautiful and a wonderful job of expressing this. Elizabeth finishes up saying, Elizabeth says, blessed are you among all women. And it's just like, you know, Elizabeth is sitting here. She's got this personal, like, why? Why would God come see me through Mary, right? Like, like she's got this, like, why, why would God like deign to speak to me, but, but she says, Mary, you're so blessed. You're the greatest woman of all mankind. And you're like, Ooh, okay. Um, and then Mary says, what does she say? My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. Mary had no expectation that she deserved anything God was doing for her. And sometimes we don't praise God because we think we deserve him doing what he said he would do to us. And sometimes we're not grateful because we think we deserve better than what God has given us. When we personally begin to recognize that I am not God, that I must come to him and every good gift comes from him, then we on an intimate level begin to recognize his goodness. And when we recognize his goodness, now we can praise. Now it doesn't matter how broken we are or how humble or how lowly we are. Because he is good. Because he is good enough. Because he's better. There's, a, there's a, another aspect of this personal side. And that's the fact that God knew Mary. Mary didn't hide who she was. She didn't fool God into thinking he was the, she was the greatest human being. So now she, he could use her. God knew her. He knew her lowly estate. And he still chose to use her. And he still chose to bless her. God knows you. God knows where you are. God knows what you're dealing with. God knows your barriers and your obstacles. And he still loves you. And he's still done a great work for you. And he's calling on us to believe. There's some other verses here I want us to look at real quick. Because God doesn't just see Mary. There's, God sees us. Verse number 52, she says this. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. If we're lowly, if we're hungry, we need the help of God. Later on in, in verse number 71, Zach talks about we need the salvation of our God. A very, very important aspect of praise is we recognize who we are and that we need our God. That we need help. 
that we need salvation, that we need him to feed us, that we need him to lift us up. We can't praise God if we're just trying to do it without him. We will never magnify him as long as it's in our own power. We have to recognize who we are and our need for him. This is kind of, this next one, it's, it's, I'll be honest, like it's kind of cheating. Like I, I should call it, if I was trying to stick with alliteration, I should call it a praising aspect of praise. It doesn't make sense. So I, I said honoring aspect of praise. And that we're really, we're saying the same thing. But what I want us to recognize in this is like it comes down to the simple thing of actually praising God. We have to recognize God, his actions, and his characteristics. There, there's a physical expression. There's a personal intimacy. There's a personal recognition. But there also has to be this like recognition of who he is. Here's, here's some things. John, he recognized the presence of God, right? <clears throat> Elizabeth recognized that God would fulfill his promises. Mary recognized that God is active in her life and that God is merciful and that God cares for those in need, that God remembers his people. Read with me. I'm, I'm going to read quickly what Zacharias says, starting in verse number 67. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zach recognized that God is working to redeem his people. Zach recognized that God has spoken to us and Zach recognized that it was God that gave John. And we need to recognize the character of our God. In these 41 verses, how many times do we see that God is merciful? How many times do we see that God is working to redeem his people? How many times do we see that God can do the impossible? How many times do we see God in his glory? We need to praise God by recognizing him. His character and his actions prove that he is far greater than anything we can face. So overcome the barrier. I don't care what's stopping you from speaking. Speak about the greatness of your God. He's good. He's great. And he is enough. Physical aspect personal aspect, honoring aspect. And this next one I think is so, so important. There's an obedience aspect. We actually have to do what God tells us to do, even if I put a misspelling in there. 
We have to do what God tells us to do. God told Zach, you're going to have a kid. Eh, okay. God told Mary, you're going to have a kid. I talked about this last week, but I want to point it out this week because it says it right here. Why, did, why was Mary blessed? Because, verse number 45, Elizabeth says this, blessed is she who believed. When God speaks, we have to believe. It doesn't matter the shame. It doesn't matter the rejection or the persecution that we will face because we will face it. When God speaks, we believe. When God speaks, <coughs> we do what he says. Verse number um, 63, and he, that Zach, asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote saying, his name is John. God is going to once again and every single time in your life prove that he is God. And when we believe, it's important that we do what he's told us to do. And he said, you're going to have a son and you're going to call him John. And when the society and the culture and the family and the friends were all saying, you can't call him John, that's a dumb name, right? All right, they didn't say it's a dumb name, okay? They said, that's, that's not... That's not in your family. You can't do that. I don't care what you think I can or can't do. I only care what God's told me to do. His name is John. And maybe the way we overcome the barriers that's keeping us from praising is just saying, I don't care. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. His name is John. Some of the most important verses in this passage, I think, are in what John in what Zach says. Verse number 74. He's talking about how God has been working to redeem his people. And he says this: to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. I want us to recognize. The work that God is doing, he is doing so that we might serve him. God didn't promise something great to Zach so Zach could be awesome. God didn't promise something great to Mary so that she could be worshipped. God didn't work through Elizabeth so that she could be selfish. And God didn't make John have life so that he could go spend it frivolously. God is actively working so that we might serve him. Romans 12 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. How do we praise God? We do what he tells us to do.
There's one last thing. And that's the proclamation aspect. We actually have to tell other people. We actually have to tell other people about God and what he is doing. We don't get to be silent. It doesn't matter if you're an unwed mother. You get to praise God. It doesn't matter if you're well advanced and too old. You get to praise God. It doesn't matter if you're the unborn. You get to praise God. And it doesn't matter if you've faced the judgment of God. You get to praise God. Because it's not about us. It's about him. We need to recognize who we are. We need to recognize who he is. We need to have some actual expressions of worship, of praise, physically, through our actions, and through our words. John's the only one. He's not born yet. And we don't get to see what he says in praise of God. But guess what we get to see in the next few chapters? Every breath. Every breath. Preparing the way for the Savior. We need to overcome whatever obstacle, whatever barriers in our life that is keeping us from magnifying, rejoicing, and praising our God. Lord, we come to you today, and I pray that you would show yourself anew to each of us, that you would reveal the works that you are doing, that you would show us in an intimate and personal way how, you, how you've worked in our lives. And Lord, as we see what you're doing, I pray that we would serve you, that we would serve you in our actions and in our words, with our life, with our breath that everything that we do would bring you honor and glory and praise. And Lord, we recognize we're not perfect in this. We are not good. We need you. For though we were hungry and you fed us, we are hungry again. And though we were broken and you healed, we are still broken. But it is not because you are insufficient. It's because we're longing for that day and you will complete the work that you have begun. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to be patient with us, that you would be gracious and merciful, and that you would work in us, in this church, to reach out to your people all across this community and the world with the love that you have for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.